Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. The most um, preached scriptures or messages, uh, I guess, in the in the Bible by a lot of preachers. I've, Now, you all know the story of the prodigal son, but I'm not going to do the entire... I'm going to work with the last boy that's, that stayed home. I want to try to give you a message about that, about uh, the things that we learned from him, okay? So I'm going to start down... You all know about the prodigal son message, so we're going to start down um, closer... Let's see... Well, now let's go back. Let's do the whole thing. It's the Word of God, right? If that's all I do is just read that, that'd be good enough. I wouldn't have to even preach up here. But uh, at my father's funeral, I uh, gave a. I, I wanted to tell everybody at my father's funeral about how I. Uh, my father's name was Ike, and so I told the story about how when Jesus was in uh, Nazareth, he wasn't accepted there. A prophet wasn't accept, He wasn't accepted in his own hometown where he was brought up. And I wasn't either in my hometown, uh, right close to here in Fonda, New York. I, and when I, start, when I was in the church and was part of the church growing, I wasn't really accepted either. Well, I, when I was in Israel, I was asked to preach at Nazareth. So I, I preached at Nazareth, a very small crowd, but I gave the message. But it, it made me think about uh, what Jesus had to face in his own town. If Jesus had a church in Nazareth, he probably wouldn't have had his family and friends there. They probably wouldn't have attended even James's own brother would have been a, would have had a problem with him, um, especially him confessing that he was the Messiah. So when I preached over there and I said about it, I came back and every time inevitably I'd come back from a missions trip, and I thought that was a big de- deal and tell somebody about I was in Nazareth, I was preaching over there, uh, where Jesus preached, where he wasn't accepted, and when he get, when Jesus got back, you know when the when they were listening in on him, preached they said, isn't that Joe's boy? Isn't that Joey's boy? Right. And uh, I me- remember every time coming back from places like Israel or around the world, they would, and I'd tell somebody in town about it, about, man, he can't believe what I just went there. they go, wait a minute, aren't you Ike's boy? Yeah. It's just what would happen, right? It's just, aren't you Ike's boy? But anyways, so a pastor got up there, and I told that story, and pastor got up there and says, to, to preach my father's eulogy, and he says, <laughs> he says well, I guess we just say amen to that, and I haven't got to do anything more. I haven't got to preach anything more. But anyways, in Luke 15, we'll start with verse 11. We'll read down. He said, a, woman, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living, or entitlement, right? And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. That's the Lord. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly 
with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired ser servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now this is where I want to pick up for this morning's message. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things might be. And he said unto them, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as thy son was come, which hath devoured the living with harlots, thou hast killed for him and, uh, and the fatted calf. Killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. And it was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive and was lost and is found. Father, thank you for your word. It blessed my heart just now as I read it, Lord, to the, your people here in this church, your church. So thankful for the church, Lord. The place where we gather to worship, where you meet with us. And you teach us and you touch our hearts with your heart. And help us to pre and prepare us for the days ahead and for even the very moments ahead that we have to face. Uh, but we know we do it with you and we're grateful, Lord. So thank you. Thank you for everything that you're going to say uh, through your word today and through this preacher. I pray, Lord, that uh, nothing I would be set aside and all that would be said would be straight from your heart to theirs. And we'll just thank you from this. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you know the feeling of being bullied? Hey, boy, there's quite a few hands here. I, uh, I remember as a kid trying to avoid a local bully who thought it was his calling on planet Earth to terrorize me every time he got the chance. <laughs> he was a, a neighbor kid, and I, I was skinny little runt as a kid. I, I grew up, I grew six inches in my um, 16th year of life. Six inches that summer I grew and uh, this, so this bully, he, he would just come to my home, house almost every day, challenge me to fight and dare me to come off the porch, you know. And uh, he would call me names, promise to pummel me if I had enough courage to come off that porch. Uh, well, I did one day, and he pummeled me. He was right. I mean, I should have learned my lesson then, but I did, and he pummeled me. But that all changed one day when my dad was home from work. And he saw what was happening, and when Dad came out of the house, things changed. He first told me to get back in the house, and I knew, I knew that kid was in trouble right then. He didn't want me involved with that. 
Then I watched my dad from inside the house as he told that little bully to get lost and he chased him down the street. Just watching that bully run just gave me some good, you know, it just made me feel good for fear was exhilarating. It was just exhilarating to watch. I loved it. I felt delivered. When thinking about that, what happened, it reminded me of three very important truths that I want to introduce this message with. Number one is this. I knew that in my father's house I was safe. Right? I knew that in that house I was safe. Once I was inside the house, I no longer needed to fear that bully. That house was my refuge. Secondly, I knew that in my father's heart, I was his son. Um, I was his only son. So that bully was not, and I knew he loved me and wasn't going to let anyone, anything bad happen to me or anyone hurt me. I, I could take that to the bank. I just knew that with my father. Thirdly, I knew that my father's hand, in my father's hands I was secure. My father wasn't a weakling and he wasn't a coward. And I was just a skinny little kid who couldn't beat his way out of a paper bag. But he was a grown man with strong hands. He could handle this problem. So listen very closely as I try to give you this message uh, to follow up on the Sunday school message. Is that In my father's house, I was safe. In my father's heart, I was his son. And in my father's hands, I was secure. And as a little boy, uh, my hero that day, guess who it was? It was my father. Uh, but unfortunately, no, that's not always the case for all children. Um, I, I, I'm horrified by some of the things I hear about fathers uh, today, but many children have been abandoned or abused by family members, and because of, uh, because of it, they uh, live with wounds that don't heal. But their hope is in Psalm 27.10, where it says, it says, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. There, there is no record of David's mom or dad forsaking him. Do you understand that when he wrote that? Uh, that means his verse, God specifically put into his word for those who would be forsaken by either one or both of their parents. So do you know what that means? It means you never have to worry when you're in your father's house. Amen. You just never have to worry. He never abandons his children nor his home. In his house I am safe. In his house, I am a son or your, his daughter, and in his hands, I, in his heart, I am a son or daughter, and in his hands, I am secure. So this story of the prodigal son is in the top three most remembered stories in the Bible. Is everybody under, I mean, when you think about that, I've heard probably more messages out of this than any other message except for maybe John 3.16. Uh, I have myself have preached out of this passage several times in my 25 plus years of preaching and ministry. I've heard Many evangelists say that they've gotten more message out of this story than any other story in the Bible. And I can see why, and I think you can see too, because everyone can relate to some part of the story or one of these three characters in this story, right? It has a powerful message to every generation. Um, this is the story that never stops giving in the area of love, forgiveness, Hope, redemption, recovery, restoration, salvation, and, and new beginnings. And I'm not sure whether it's because of the return and the restoration of the younger son um, who got himself into a mess and finally came home, or maybe the resentment of the older son who didn't get the recognition he thought or deserved in life, or because of the response of the loving and forgiving father that, that we all hope for in life, right? So... Regardless of what it is, the one part of the story that's often overlooked and uh, 
hardly ever mentioned in the, me in the message is the importance of the house. You know, we talk about the prodigal son, the one who stayed home, and the father. But we never talk about that house. And in fact, I entitled this message, Get in the House. If you haven't been there in a while, get back into the house. Uh, you're needed there in the house of God. So regardless of what it is, uh, the one part of the story that's often overlooked, right, um, and, and hardly ever talked about is the house, but everybody else, we talk, we talk about all the different characters in the, in the Bible, so in, in this passage. So it's in the house where the celebrations take place because the lost are restored and the loved and saved are rewarded. Do you know what most people's problem is when it comes to the house of God? They go after what they want in life with no regard for the consequences they have to face and get themselves into a mess they can't get themselves out of. And then they won't get back in or go back into the house of God where they could get their help. Now let me repeat that. Because I've watched this so often in ministry. Right? They go after what they want in life with no regard for the consequences that they will have to face. They get themselves into a mess they can't get themselves out of. And they remember most of them about when they were a child at vacation Bible school or in a Sunday school. But they're too prideful to go back into the house and get the help that they need from God who has never left the house in the first place. So it might be their pride or anger or stubbornness or hurt feelings that keeps them out. But there are things that happen in God's house that do not happen anywhere else. That's right. They happen in this house, this house of God. It's all about getting into God's house, serving him there, and staying there. Even if you falter or fail or fall, it doesn't matter. You've got to get back into the house. That's where God wants us. That's why Jesus came for us. And that's what pleases God and brings us to our eternal blessings. So today, because of COVID, and I talked about this this morning, and the social media that's going on out there, the house of God is under siege right now. It's um, few, few people are still here the way they should be. Uh, listen to the words of Jesus in John 14, 1 through 6. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. What's he say next? In my Father's house. Right? He says, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's in the house. And whether I go, uh, whither I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas, of course, says, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, now, if I might add, but not disrespectfully, I am the way back into the house. I am the, I am the truth in the house. I am the life in the house. Right? No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Right? So I am the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, listen, he's coming, he's preparing a mansion to come back and bring it to his house. So Jesus came to show us the, uh, the way into the Father's house. It is the Father's house where it all comes together. It's in this building, in this place, that God has ordained where it all comes together. And I realize it's not the building, that's the, that's the church, it's the people, but where the problem lies is within us. We, we either won't enter into his house in the first place, or we won't return to the house after we've fallen, or we won't stay in the house after we've entered. 
You know, I, I've tried, ever since I got saved, I, I haven't missed very many days of church. I mean, and that was 36 years ago. Um, hardly any service. This past year we talked about this morning that I, in the last three years, I've had to miss a lot of services, and it really breaks my heart because I know it's in the house where things happen. I know that's where God meets us, and that's what he, how he ordained to keep us together as a family. So as a result, we don't experience the life-changing blessings of the house. And it's a very sad commentary of life and getting worse all the time, mainly because of social media. Now I can sit home and make a pot of coffee and just watch the message on TV, which is okay. I'm not saying anything wrong with that, except for people have gotten comfortable there, and now they're not assembling back into the house. So because of, because of doubts, they're missing the people that they have been searching for their whole life. That they are also missing a a boatload of blessings that can only be found in the house just simply by staying away from the house of God. The Father's house is where, it all, it's where it's all happening and where God wants us all for all eternity. So the most important thing about the house is the Father who owns the house, right? It's God's house. Um, we don't own this, this house. He, he owns it. He presides there and with those who live there. He protects those who live there. He provides for those who live there. He promises blessings to those who live there and the greatest news of all is he wants to fill his house uh, that was my goal in pastor in pastoring really was not it wasn't about the numbers that were going to be there but it is a little bit about the numbers he wants to fill his house he wants all those to come uh, into his house and find peace and so he wants everyone there in fact, uh, Luke 14, 23, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. What's it say? That my house may be full. I don't know if a pastor alive wants to stand behind his pulpit and not say, I want every one of these pews filled up with people. Because that's what we're called to do. Right? It's not just about us coming in. It's about us serving him and bringing others to Christ and filling his house. And that blessing just comes, pours all back onto us when we do that. He not only wants to fill his house, but he also wants to fill those who are in his house with his spirit. Am I, am I, are we listening? Are you hearing everything I'm saying this morning? Why wouldn't anyone want to be in God's house? That's the question of the hour right now. Why wouldn't anyone want to be in God's house when they'll be safe there, they'll be secure there, they'll be provided there, uh, they'll be loved there. It's, I like coming into God's house Amen. just to meet people because I know that I'm loved. Well, most of the time I'm loved there, right? But I like to love on people there also. So his hands are strong and very capable of handling any situation. He'll pick them up when they fall. He'll forgive them when they fail. And that's all found right in the house. I've been trying to get people into God's house for 36 years now. From the very first day I got saved, I went back. I went the very next day trying to win others to the Lord and say, come to church. I wasn't even in the right church at the time. But I just knew it was there. I was going to meet God, and hopefully others would meet him too. So it's not getting any easier, especially with this COVID thing. It really isn't. And add to that the, the saturation of worldly private, private pleasures and the social media takeover and a government that is not even promoting it anymore. I mean, now you can't even hold a, uh, uh, have a, a defense gun or hold in the, in the church. You're not supposed to have it there. The most vulnerable place on planet Earth is the churches of God right now. And this, this governor who hasn't got a brain in her head says, take the... And sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Go 
So let's just take the guns away from the pe the, that there so that nobody can protect themselves. All right, so. <laughs> so the father's the hero of the story. The father's the heart is the healing part of the story. And the father's house is the hope of the story. In his house is where anyone can find hope, healing, and help. I want you to know that. you got two pastors here today that would bend over backwards and do anything we can to help you if, something, if you needed help. If you made a mess of your life, just get in the house, stay in the house, you know, before it's too late when you won't have a house. I mean, they're trying to take our houses away from us now. If you wandered away from his house, just get back in. That's all I'm asking today. Uh, don't be like the elder son who, because he was offended, wouldn't enter into the house. And that's my message. Be like, be like this prodigal son who came to his senses and made his way back into the house where his sins were forgiven, where his blessings are, uh, were returned and his position was reinstated. Why forsake his house, the only house that matters in your life? You know, why would he do that? Let's, let's get back into the God's house before it's late, too late. You know, Jesus is the door uh, to God's house, and the door is wide open right now, but one day it's going to be closed forever. Yeah, that's right. So you're, you're missing out of a more abundant life right now if you refused to enter into uh, like this son of resentment. So, if you own in a house, you will never see what's happening in this house here. And here's what is happening when you get into God's house from this story. That blessed my heart so much that, that I just want to keep sharing this and try to keep people coming and filling these pews uh, and reaching more people. First, is in the house is where sinners are fully exonerated. You know, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Fully exonerated. Right in the house. The prodigal son was received back and restored back to his original position just as if he had never sinned against his father. Isn't that an amazing story? All was forgiven, but what's even more profound was all was forgotten. I mean, he just, in, in my father's houses where his son was forgiven, his sins were forgotten forever. It's where you find freedom from the bondage that you were taken under. It's where sinners become saints and the forgiven become God's family again. It's where hope is restored, broken hearts are healed. It's where the conquered finally become the conquerors. Do you know where, uh, <clears throat> did you know there are some things that you can never change? There's some things you can never correct. There's some things you can't cancel. There's some, some things you can never cure, but you can conquer all of them through Jesus Christ right. as your Lord, and he's in this house. I've done a lot of things in my past that I'm not proud of, but I want, to, I want you to know that I've conquered a lot of them through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen. And I found a lot of that conquering principles right here in the house. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. In his house is where your creator becomes your caretaker. Right? It is where Christ becomes your conqueror. It's in his house where the rejected are received, the ruined are redeemed, the, the rebellious are restored. So it's in his house, sinners are fully exonerated. Secondly, I want you to notice this. Saints are fully decorated. I like this part. I'd like to, you know, I like the part where um, there is some reward to doing what you're doing. Yeah. I, I don't have a problem with saying that. 
Uh, Look at at verse 22. Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. You ever thought about this? I'm one that when I read the Bible, all these things go through my head, right? Ever thought, where would the best robe be closeted? Where would the costliest ring be kept? Where would the finest shoes be found? Right in God's house. Right in the Father's house. Christ's closet. I thought it would be a good title for a message. These are the things Jesus purchased for you with his own blood. This is the attire that the son or daughter wears. Um, Isaiah 61.10 I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, and he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh herself, decketh her himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. He receives you into his house uh, like his child, and he lavishes on you with the best that he has to offer, leaving nothing undone. You receive the best always when you're in the Father's house. Uh, Jesus not only cleanses you with his own blood and forgives you, he will clothe you with his own righteousness to present you faultless before his Father. So now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory and exceeding joy, Jude 1.24, or 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, this is what we do in the house. You know, we confess before God. It's why we have communion. It's why we do these things. So it's in his Father's house, sinners are fully exonerated. Saints are fully decorated. And thirdly, in his Father's house, where salvations are fully celebrated. I love the story just a minute ago. Somebody got saved. Who just got saved here? I forgot who it was. Amen. Praise God. That's what happens in God's house, isn't it? All right, people get saved. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh into the house, he heard what? Music and dancing. <laughs> music and dancing. You know, there was a celebration going on. Hardly, usually when you hear music, you see dancing, there's a celebration going on, right? Am I right? There usually is. He wondered what's going on in, this, in the house. It sounded joyful to him. It's what is always going on in the Father's house. Because sinners are getting saved. Sinners are repenting of their sin and returning to God. The residents of his house are celebrating in heaven. Everybody in here was once a sinner without Christ. Right? Now you're in his house and you're celebrating every Sunday and Wednesday over what he did for you. Uh, look, look at verse 7 again. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven. You've got to go back for that. Over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Is there anybody in here that is so just they don't need to repent every once in a while? Crickets. You know, there's always a whole lot of celebration going on in the Father's house because God addresses sin in our hearts too. And when we confess it and get it right before God, it brings joy, peace to our heart. Dead people are finding life. Lost people are, finding, are being found. Bound people are being set free. Broken and bruised people are being healed. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of altar calls. And I'll tell you why I'm a big fan of altar calls. Some, some churches aren't. I am. And the reason I am, because I've watched drunkards come to the altar and bend down there and repent of their sins and walk out that door totally free from alcohol, never to go back to it again. I've watched marriages 
that have been broken, fighting, going to get a divorce, come to that altar holding their hands, bow down, repent, and cry out to God. And their marriages are one of the strongest ones I've, I've, I've seen, I have seen in my ministry. I recently, just recently, was, um, I was at some place um, doing a funeral. I can't remember it was, and a, a young lady came up to me and she says, it was at one of your messages at the altar call that me and my mother had been estranged for years. We were both in that church at that time. She came over and grabbed my hand and went to the altar, and she said, I've had the best relationship ever since. Amen. So it's time to get out of the devil's house and get back into God's house where you find out what real life is all about. It's time to get out of the drug house and into the recovery house where you'll finally be released from the bondage. It's time to get out of the drunkard's house and back into the sober house where your happy hour will be forever, by the way. It's time to get out of the jail house back into the Lord's house where you'll find forgiveness and freedom forever. Because it's in the house where failed people finally find success. It's where guilty people finally find forgiveness. It's where fallen people finally stand again. It's where forgotten people finally find a family. You know, that's going to love them and pray for them, be with them. Get back into the house where sinners are fully exonerated, saints are fully decorated, salvations are fully uh, celebrated, and lastly, it's in his house where servants are fully appreciated. God loves fruitful servants. He loves laborers that want to work for him. And it all begins right here in the house. Um, it, it says in verse 31, And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It, he, didn't, he didn't go anywhere. You get all God has to offer when you're in the house. And this is all good, but my favorite part of the story is verse 28. And he was angry and would not go in, but what happened? We forget about this. Not only did the, the father go after the prodigal and meet him, he also went out of the house to meet his other son. He came, and his father came out and entreated him. You know what that means, entreatment? Please, come in. Just come. When's the last time you approached somebody like that out and when you're witnessing to them? Listen, please, just come to church just one time. You know, just come and hear what the preacher has to say. Come and see who Jesus really is. You know, really, just Just come. Right? And that's what the father did. He went out and he entreated him. I think this is the most loving part of this whole story. Why? Because this boy was very special to his dad. Why? Because he never took off. Dad didn't forget him in all of his celebration. He didn't forget him. In other words, while all the celebration's going on, he looks around and he says, well, where's my other son? And what's he do? He goes out, looks out, and he says, there he is. And he goes out, leaves the celebration to get his son. The father was willing to leave this great celebration because he had another son, too, that was in trouble. The faithful son who didn't leave him. He didn't punish him for a statement. He begged him to come in. Oh, what a Savior we serve. Amen? Amen. What a God we serve. The truth found here should never be overlooked. He didn't leave his house to go after the prodigal son. He waited for him to come home. But when he saw him, he ran to him. But he did leave his house to go after his faithful son. Boy, these are all truths that if we're not careful, we can overlook and miss the beautiful story here that's going on. Jesus left heaven. He descended into a cursed world to seek and to save sinners who lost their way. And this boy, I believe, represented Israel. But I think it goes way further than that. 
It goes right into our own hearts. God is not only waiting and watching for lost sinners to come home, but he's also looking for the backslidden saints to get back into his house. I plead you, if you're listening to me on social media right now, and you think that's okay, get back into his house. I'm pleading with you to come back. It's where all these things are happening uh, for Christ. The church should be as full as God intended it to be. But many of his saints aren't here right now. All the boy had to do, this is it. All he had to do was enter into the house and his father would, uh, and his fa- uh, with his father and join the celebration. That's all. And the choice was only his that he could make. It was a choice the father was not going to make for him. But the father was also not going to let him get away without making that choice. Uh, his father came after him extended the invitation to him and pleaded with him to come, but it was all going to be down to the decision that he had to make. That's our God. He's not going to force you into doing anything. He didn't make robots. He made souls. Souls they intended for his own family. So now in closing, we're left with a cliffhanger, aren't we? It's the greatest cliffhanger in the Bible. Did he get in the house? The end of the story doesn't tell us if he did or he didn't, but he could have if he wanted to. Nothing was going to stop his father from accepting him, and so can you. Now, there may be some here who are living like that younger prodigal son who need to come to their senses, repent of their sin, and come home and get saved. I understand that there may be others listening like the other faithful son who need to return. They, they were once in the work of Christ and then something happened and they can return like the other faithful son just need to return and get back into the house. Whatever the case is, now listen everyone, running from God is never the answer. It just takes you deeper and deeper in sin. Running to him as fast as you can is always the answer. Yeah, amen. It's always the answer. Get back into his house right now. Run to him as fast as you can. He's been waiting for you. Let's bow our heads. Has God spoken to you this morning? Is God speaking to you right now? And you know what you have to do. I understand I've got a much bigger audience right now than just in this house right now, but there's a much bigger audience because you have a wonderful platform on social media. I watch it often when I can't get here. But if he's talking to you right now, maybe it's finally time to give up the fight and get back into his house. With every head bowed and every eye closed, who would say by the raised hand, I'm under conviction about the importance of God's house? Who would say that right now? I'm under conviction right now about the importance of God's house. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. I'm looking all around there. I've got good news for you. The door is still open here. All you have to do is walk through that door and keep walking through that door by faith. Repent, turn away from your sin towards the Lord Jesus Christ and receive him as your Savior if you're not saved. 
And it's the same way when we come back to him. Just repent of, of maybe the lack of commitment. That's all. And make a commitment to come back. So with heads still bowed, I just want to give an invitation. If you're unsaved here today, you just know that Jesus Christ paid for your sin debt. And he wants to give unto you eternal life. His shed blood forgave you in the empty tomb. He presents you a, a chance to come back underneath his righteousness. If you're unsaved, listen, if you don't know for sure, if you were to die today, you'd be in heaven. Today you can make that sure. All you've got to do is cry out to Jesus and say, save me. It's just a matter of saying, yes, Lord, you're right. I want to one day be in that mansion with you. So please come into my heart and save me. Just a prayer like that would save you. And for everybody else who's not here that you know should be here right now. If I had to guess, there's probably everybody. There's a name in everybody's heart and mind today of somebody that you haven't seen here in a long, long time. Maybe it's time to make a commitment to reach out to them and just say, and plead, entreat with them, please. Please come back. We just miss you desperately. Father, I thank you for this church body and the lighthouse that it has been in Schenectady for so many years. For the pastor, Lord, that has been so devoted to this church, given his life to see people find light in you, Lord Jesus. I, I trust, Lord, that you'll use this message in some way, Lord, to bring people back to yourself. And I'll thank you as I turn it over to the pastor and uh, and and the song leader, Lord, uh, to give an invitation.